Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to Talking Knicks 2018, folks. We're glad to have you back. We're doing it. Thank you for joining us if you were around last year. The Knicks had a big offseason. We're going to review it. We've got the crew. Hey, babe, let's talk Knicks. The New York Knicks select Christoph Porzingis. Post and toes, puffing and stuffing. Again, igniting and exciting the garden crowd. Ladies and germs, that's pretty much the worst opener I could use. Welcome back. It's Talking Knicks season, S-Z-N. I'm here with the boys, Jake Storielli, at Talking Jake on the Twitter machine. And I am joined by the OG Talking Knicks crew. Let's go around the horn. We've got the pride of Boston College, Young Hung. Gregory Poon. Hey, Jake. Good to be back. I'm, do- I'm doing well, if, if that's what you want to know. No, I did not. Um, how you doing, man? I- I'm okay. I mean, I just watched the Giants lose devastatingly. So, yeah, was, yeah doing well. Six- 63-yard field goal, like the longest field goal ever. And yeah, following, following some suspect spotting of the ball. You suspect. And that's, that's where we'll leave it with Greg Poon. The Thunder from down under, Villanova, he looks good in pinstripes, just like Jay Wright. Kenny Poon, how you doing, brother? Literally. I, is there any other way to take that but literally? But I'm, I'm going to agree with what you said early on and say, this is just a terrible intro by you, man. Like, I, I don't know what you're doing. You're touching sensitive subjects like the whole Twitter thing. We're currently banned from Twitter. Don't know what we did. But hopefully that gets straightened out. But you know, that's not what it's about. It's about the Knicks right now, and uh, let, let's let's talk some Knicks, Jake. How, how do we feel about that? I I love that. That's the whole concept, I think. And let's finishing our around the horn talking Knicks crew. Tommy Stats, Tommy Funk, Funk Master T, the Bison Lord himself, Tom Piccolo. How are you, Tom? People call me all of those things, so those all work. I'll respond to any of them. Uh, I'm doing good, Jake. I, I actually just finished up with a yoga class in case we wanted the audience to hate, hate one of us. Uh, but I'm feeling very centered, ready to, to calmly discuss Nick's basketball. Let's do it. Well, I appreciate you jumping on that sword, but they currently at least hate two of us. Um, big off season for the Knicks, for talking Knicks. We've We've had one member who won't be named. Tommy Smokes got itched. Um, The rest of us are just living through this existence we call life. But let's bring it back to Los Knicks. And Tom, Ken, Greg, you guys know I'm a history buff. That's not totally true. But how do you know where you're going if you don't know where you've been? 
So I'm going to do, I've been doing my burns on Talking Yanks. This is almost not even going to be a burn because it would get too sad too quick. But let's catch us up to the offseason. Last year, we come in, we're low snicks. Will Perzingis be a star? What are we going to do? Can this team do anything around Hornacek? We start the year, three L's. Jarrett Jack Show comes through, and we're like, okay, is he good? Are we playing team basketball? I think KP takes off. He becomes a star in this league. He's putting up big numbers, big games. The Knicks hit mid-December, I want to say at 16 and 14, something like that. There was a podcast last year. We're talking three seed. THJ, Tim Hardaway Jr. gets hurt, even though he's not playing his best ball. And the Knicks hit their road trip of death. The team really falls apart. I get to see Ron Baker's one start in Denver when his family's in the stands. We'll talk more about that later. And then basically the the hump and the camel in his back. Chris Stapps Porzingis gets injured. The Knicks' soul leaves their body. A lot of Michael Beasley show. The only, I think, highlight was Trey Burke comes in, and he's looking to be a big part of this next season. We'll see what that means, and I'm sure we're going to talk about him a lot. Um, and, I mean, that was kind of 2018 Knicks, where I kind of wanted we'll, – we'll go – we'll spin it in reverse, Tom, and I want to start with some of the stats, just kind of the generic stuff and other things that stuck out for you. I mean, the – the some of the big things, I mean, you you don't want to get lost in that because I mean points per game is what it is. They were 18th out of 30th opponents point per game, 20th out of 30th pace, middle of the pack. Some of the defensive and offensive rating stuff. What what can you sort out for me, Tom? And what what should we be looking at, or what should the Knicks front office have been looking at going into this offseason? Yeah, so I do like to start with some of the basics here. Um, offense, you mentioned the points per game numbers. I like to look at offensive rating just to kind of equalize for, for pace there. So their offense ranked 24th um, in points per 100 possessions, and they ranked 23rd in defense. So it's, it's towards the bottom of the pack in both of those. Some some reasons, I think, for, for their struggles. Um, one was they, they turned the ball over a lot. They had, a, they had a rookie point guard, Frank, doing his thing. Um, they were 21st overall in turnover percentage. And worse is defensively, they couldn't turn any of their opponents over. They were 27th in opponent turnover percentage. So that just – it meant they were giving up easy buckets on one end and weren't getting any easy buckets on the other. They were 29th in fast break points in the league um, and 25th on points off turnovers. So if you're not getting those easy buckets, it's going to turn into a lot of half-court offense and that's kind of where Beasley came in and was helpful but he's not going to be there anymore um so it's it's going to be a, a different situation offense here and I think this upcoming season is going to be just a whole new look but those were a few of the reasons I think for their struggles last year and Kenny do what what sticks out more so for you I know uh pre-show we talked some 2.3 point stuff and I know Frank Frank Nitty is your boy you you've basically called dibs on him through life um, and I know he had some careless, very young guy NBA point guard turnovers. What what what's jumping out for you? Yeah, Jake. So you're right. Frank Nitty's my boy, and uh, I think the there's a couple things that jump out to me. First, the the coaching last year was suspect. 
And I mean that in two different ways. First, you know, we, we said it a lot last year, but it just seemed at times last year they were fighting a losing battle against math. They led the, led the league in two-point attempts and were last in three-point attempts, which, you know, modern NBA, it's just a lot less efficient to, to be shooting so many twos. Uh, Tom will tell you that it makes sense to, to shoot from everywhere to just space the floor, but you know you see the Houston Rockets model where it's, it's all threes or shots at the rim, and you know it's a lot more efficient because those, those shots are just a lot more efficient. Um, the second thing is that the coaching staff didn't really have a plan. And I say that meaning like they were trying to win with a team that they knew they wouldn't have next year because there was a lot of guys that weren't going to be a part of the team and it was clear from at that time. And they weren't really trying to develop the guys who they thought were going to be there. Guys like Frank Nilakina, who, you know, he had his problems last year, but at, at some point, you know, you're not playing for anything. Get the guy some reps. And I, he just lost a lot of confidence throughout the year as he was just getting pulled out. And I think there's an alarm going off behind me, but don't worry about that. Um, so it's all about it's all it's, about confidence for the – yep. It's tough to not worry about that, to be honest with you. The whole That's thing the, is pretty alarming. Hello. Oh, oh, I had a conversation with someone about car alarms and how no one's ever listened to a car alarm. I'm like, oh, I should do something about that. Like, maybe someone's car's getting stolen. It's like someone set it off, and now it's just annoying me. It's real, real. Ken, well, I, I think we'll talk. Have to pass it to Greg. We'll talk Greg. to you next week, Ken. <laughs> Might uh, be the time to check on it. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'm down to talk car alarms. I don't care. <laughs> I'll hop off what what Kenny was saying about there being no plan. Um, the Knicks had one play last year, and that was give the ball to Porzingis in like the mid mid post, and then have him like be taller and then shoot a fadeaway, and it worked for a little bit, but it was kind of like in a in semi-pro when they're running the alley-oop and then they keep running it and they score a bunch and then eventually the other team's just like, just just block the alley-oop and then it stopped and they're like, oh, what do we do now? So, I mean, then Porzingis gets injured and you really just, you you just don't have a basketball team anymore. You just, you just have a, your one play is gone. Uh, they lost a bunch in a row. And like Kenny was saying, they... They didn't know what they were doing. Like Jared Jack played way too much down the stretch. After long after the playoffs were out of reach, Jared Jack continued to play, which shouldn't have happened. It should have been all Frank all the time at that point. And I think it wasn't until like maybe like the last week or two of the season where they're like, "All right, we'll just sit Jared Jack down now, and Frank can take over," which is terrible. Because there, there was so much basketball before that, that that should have been played. And they should have been developing guys more. I don't know. It's it's tough. So, I mean, there's definitely going to be a lot, of, a lot of young guy minutes this year. A lot of early season eggs in the Jarrett Jack Ramon Sessions basket. And that's tough in a league where Mike Conley is an underrated point guard every year because he might not be a top eight point guard or so. We're rolling out. With with used goods. So let, let's not harp on that now. But I think this segues us into the biggest thing. I'm a big I'm a big top-down organizational guy, whether whether it's your company, life, liberty, or the pursuit. And you guys mentioned it. 
We had the coaching change. Jeff Hornacek is out. Um, a stint that you could only call highly unsuccessful as the Knicks head coach. Um, and we bring in Mr. Fizdale, young Fizz, David Fizdale. Um, if you're not familiar with him, he, he became well-known in NBA circles as the assistant coach on the Miami teams to Spolstra, um, two years as the assistant head coach, eight years as an assistant. He was the head coach for the Grizzlies for a little over a year. Uh, and he's a young guy, and he's well-liked amongst the players. That's, that's kind of the consensus around the league. 44 years old. Um, Greg, let, let me spin it back to you. Where, where do we stand on the whole thing? Walk me through it. Hornacek, your final thoughts there, and what we think about the Fisdale hire. Hornacek was bad at, coaching, at coaching basketball. He, his rotations, were just, he, he picked them out of the hat before every game. He said, all right, uh, what's your name again? Get in there. You know, that, that's just how he coached. It was terrible. Um, Fisdale, young guy. Nick's got a young team, so it's you know, I feel like they hang out together, you know? He's like, where are we going tonight, everybody? And then they go out and they party. So that's really what you want out of your coach, maybe. Otherwise, that's that's not at all what you want out of your coach. But we'll, we'll find out. But he's definitely fresh blood, what the, what the people wanted. So hopefully he's got more than one play. Greg, Greg Poon opening up with the coach partying with his players card. I like that. Ken, are you okay? Have have you been kidnapped? And if you're if you're still okay, what do you think about the Knicks coaching transition? The alarm stopped. It was it went for a solid three to four minutes, which is like I said, pretty annoying. But it stopped, and uh, I looked outside. It didn't seem like anything was happening, so I think we're good. Think, uh, I think the thieves got away with the car. So oh, smart problem solved smart. for us. Yeah, as long as the alarm's not here, it doesn't bother me. Um, so I was a defender of Hornacek for a while, uh, early on, just because I know for a while he was running the, his first couple of years, he was running the, the, um, triangle, which he didn't want to do. I said he would come in this year or last year and, uh, be a little more up-tempo like he was in Phoenix. That didn't happen. Um, he, you know, like Greg said, his rotations were indefensible. There was like, and like Jake alluded to very early in the show, he just decided to start Ron Baker one day, and we were all joking that day that oh maybe his family's there, and it turned out that was the case, which is just wild. Uh, so yeah, just a lot of a lot of weird things that he did that you know a coach shouldn't do, and like by the end of the year, I was very much of the on the we got to get rid of this guy train. Uh, bringing in Fizz, like like you guys all said, he's he's a player's coach, and a lot of people liked him. Uh, I know LeBron James and Dwayne Wade were big uh, big fans of his, and when he got fired in Memphis, they came to his defense. That that Memphis stint was uh, the big blemish on his record because he he's known as a player's coach, but he did not get along with Marcus All, and that kind of forced him out of there. And when he came in here, he kind of said all the right things. He said, you know that. That was a situation where he tried to go in and change a veteran um, more than the veteran was willing to change, and he learned a lot from that experience. And uh, he learned that you know sometimes you just gotta you gotta fit your game to the players that you have rather than trying to force them into your uh, into what you want. 
So, you know, I, I'm excited to see him. Like I said, when he came in, he said all the right things. He, he was talking about developing players, and uh, I know he went to Latvia and hung out with Chris Stops, and uh, Porzingis said that was a big thing for him, to, to have him go there and be so interested in his culture and where he grew up. And since over the last few weeks, he's had, you know, Knicks legends come in and talk to the team about what it means to, to wear the orange and blue. He had Patrick Ewing go to their preseason game in Washington. He had Clyde Frazier, who's with the team all the time because he does the broadcasts. He had them talk to the, the point guards or the young guards about, you know, being being point guards in this league. And, you know, I think that that's all great and it's all great for development. And uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping that he continues with that and continues kind of what he's been doing in terms of trying to to bring the players together and to bring them together with you know the former players and you know, maybe learn something from them. Tom, the the early word is party coach, players coach. What what do you have for me? I know. That, and again, I'm I, I'll just feed you a little of this now that I'm looking back at Hornacek's numbers, his. Three years in Phoenix, his team got worse every year, and his two years with the Knicks, the team got the team got worse the second year. So, I mean, it, any any R.I.P. final words for Horn a second, dude? What what do you have for us on on young David Fisdale? Well, I know I'm the the stats guy here, so I do feel compelled to give at least one. Uh, Hornacek did lead the league in starting guys because their family was in the crowd. He was number one. Uh, <laughs> Yes. That. Uh, I have another one though. So I know I've, I don't know if I've mentioned here yet, but this upcoming season I'll be writing for the basketball index. I'll probably talk about them and their stats on just about every pod here, but they calculated how well NBA coaches from the past five years have optimized their talent through their schemes and their deployment, allocating players minutes and things like that. They're huge into math. We'll have, we'll have to have someone, from there uh, on the pod sometime to explain these in full detail. But um, like you can kind of get a sense of how accurate they are just because at the top you have guys like Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, Mike D'Antoni, Dwayne Casey um, are, are towards the top. And then you've got David Fisdale, who, who in Memphis ranked in the 67th percentile uh, in terms of um, optimizing talent. And then Jeff Hornacek, ranked in the 26th percentile. So that feels right to me, um, you know, just, just based on, uh, on those stats alone. But, uh, you know, it's not just about the stats. I liked Fisdale in Memphis. I know he didn't get along with Marcus Gasol and all that, but Gasol does seem like kind of a, a difficult veteran to get along with in the first place. He seems kind of moody. Uh, I, I loved Fisdale's rant about the, the whole take that for da- data thing that became such a, a craze over there. They're making t-shirts in Memphis, but just that kind of passion and, uh, and his willingness to go to bat for his players. I was a huge fan of that. So I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm all in. I'm optimistic. Uh, let the, let the Fisdale reign begin. Yeah. And I, I think you, part of the reason we like him being young and as in a player's coach is I, I mean, I personally you know, I, I can be tough on Boston sometimes. Sometimes it's just blind being a fan. Other times I'm usually just wrong. But what Boston did when they brought in Brad Stevens originally was beautiful. They brought in a young coach to grow with the team. It wasn't enormous first-year pressure. And you'd like to think that with Fisdale because you, you can't be looking at this Knicks roster and be thinking Titletown, USA. 
But I, I always did. You'd look at those Grizzlies teams, and you knew Gasol and Conley were coming to town, and then you'd be like, Jamichael Green, James Ennis, Andrew Harrison. Um, and you're right. He, he normally did get a lot out of those guys, and the Knicks roster, let's be honest, is made a lot of those guys. And, and that's kind of that's kind of the fizz thing, and we're going to have to see more of it. Are the Knicks going to pull more threes? It feels like we're always hoping for that. Um, hopefully we can get more into stats with Fizdale as we see things develop. But I, I think the consensus party player, um, exciting new blood to have Fizz instead of horny. Um, I, I think what we have to jump to next is basically a who's in, who's out. And we'll, we'll start with the free agents. Um, out, Jarrett Jack, Michael Beastly, Kylo Quinn, Doug McDermott, and I put Joe Kim Noah with a question mark. We'll we'll see if we want to talk about that. Um, I'll I'll shoot it back to Greggy. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting list. We see Beasley, who is a guy who <laughs> carried us through some tough, ugly games. O'Quinn, who is beloved by New York. McDermott, who always felt like he was underachieving. What who who are these guys? I mean, are we saddest to see go? Are, I mean, is are any of these devastating losses? Just what, what do you think about the guys leaving? I think the only person that you're really sad to see leave is O'Quinn because he, he was good backup center for us for a few years. And uh, he was a good guy, you know. You still see him FaceTiming with, with a bunch of the, the guys on their Instagram stories and on Instagram, and he was just part of the squad. So it was good to have him. And then he played good minutes, but now we drafted Mitchell Robinson, so he should be getting those backup center minutes. and. In this new NBA, how many center minutes are there even? So and then the other guy, like, it's like half something that he left is, is Michael Beasley. Because, like you said, he carried us through some games when the Knicks just couldn't score at all. There was that one game when he just single-handedly beat the Celtics, which was impressive. But uh, he just doesn't fit the timeline, really, you know. We're, we're, not, we're not going anywhere this year, so if we don't really need – the guy to win us games if he's not part of the long-term picture because maybe winning's not the best. I don't know. You, you heard me preach about it enough last year about how much I was falling in love with Beasley's games. I, man, I hope he brings it in LA this year with around the LeBron show. That would just be incredible. He's already got some silly quotes coming out. Uh, Kenny, we'll swing it to you. And you're normally my three point guy. And Dougie fresh was a guy that it just never clicked with Los Knicks. He's, there, he'd have a good game, and then you'd see him have a DNP the next game. Or that one game we started him against the Bulls, it was like, oh, here comes Doug McDermott. And I think he either got shut out or put up two points. What What are your thoughts on Doug leaving and, and any of the other guys you want to speak on? Yeah, I guess let me just start by saying I'd be remiss to not just point out that uh, McDermott got traded away mid-year for uh, Moutier. But I'm with you. I'm a big three guy. I – I did kind of like what he brought, and uh, the Knicks haven't seen much from Moutier, so you question how much that uh, that trade has worked out. Um, and, you know, it, it all goes towards kind of what the Knicks are trying to do now, which is just build young players. Uh, and, you know, at, as Tom, I think the, the phrase that Tom uses second-chance draft picks or something like that for guys who hadn't panned out with their teams, and that that's kind of what the McDermott move was getting a guy like Moutier and bringing him in and, you know, seeing what you have and kicking the tires. Um, I think Greg pretty much hit the nail on the head. The only 
only guy that left that's really as a free agent that's really like uh kind of stings is Kyle Quinn just because you know he he's a New York guy he loved being in New York he loved you know he he had that you know New York mentality or was a tough physical guy and you know get uh, he did all the dirty stuff so he's the guy I'm gonna miss uh, Beasley was fun to watch uh, but he doesn't really fit into that plan of you know checking out what these young players have he's he's a little older and he's not you know he's not in the long term scheme same thing with Jared Jack. Uh, same thing with, with Joe Noah, whatever happens with him. So the, the only real one that, that I'm going to miss is, is Kyle O'Quinn. Tom, round us out. Yeah, uh, one of the things the Knicks actually did really well last season was protect the rim. Porzingis, when he was healthy, was just about the best player in the league at protecting the rim. And, uh, I mean, Cantor's just a huge body. He can't get out there on the perimeter and move his feet, but he can jump straight up and be huge. And, uh, and protect the rim that way. And Kylo Quinn, um, as our backup center, did a great job there too. I know he had a lot of blocks. He did pump, he did jump at a lot of pump fakes. But uh, you know, overall, the Knicks were eighth last year in rim protection. And it'll be curious to see how they do with uh, without O'Quinn at backup, um, with, with Mitchell Robinson potentially getting big minutes, uh, Noah Vonley. I know we're going to talk about him in a minute. But, uh, yeah, just seeing how the big rotation rounds out without O'Quinn is going to be most interesting to me. Yeah, O'Quinn o is a as a hustle seventh man off the bench, big man. Doesn't get much better than that. Um, Greggy, were you going to chime in? Yeah, we didn't really touch on the Joe Kim scenario, which just seemed like we were gonna. But you know, what's going on with that guy? <laughs> uh, there, there's rumors of the buyout. Um, I mean, we don't think we're ever going to see him on the court as a Nick again. Uh, I, I mean, if anything has anything outside of that, they want to chime in. Otherwise, I think uh, Big Bro Joe is is probably out as a low snick. Ken, I, I see you got something on your tongue. I was just going to ask Greg what his uh, his thoughts on the whole um, salary cap stuff was because I know he took a deep dive into this and, and was checking it out. And Well, the thing is, if you, if you cut him now, then you got that money on your salary cap for the next three years. But if you wait until – you decide if someone's actually coming next summer, then you can decide whether or whether or not you want to spread it over three years or just eat it, eat the whole thing next summer. But I mean, it, it's not that huge of a difference considering uh, he's a terrible person and we don't want him on the team. So you might, that might be worth $6 million for the next three years. And uh, if, if they did got him, that would pretty much, guarantee that the front office wasn't going to be throwing away uh, future first-round picks because that's what it would take to get rid of them. And I think the the other thing that we, we should talk about is Luol Deng, I think, took a $7 million discount to get to to get released. Um, and I think that's what, what is the holdup right now is the Knicks are trying to strong-arm Noah into taking a lot less money. Uh, and I have to imagine Noah is realizing that he doesn't have all that much money left to make in the NBA. So he's against that idea. He sent out that uh, cryptic, not-so-cryptic Instagram post that was something like, I don't want to be here, you don't want me here, just let me leave. And it's like, well, the the reason that if, – if you, if you decided to take a huge discount on that uh, payout, I'm sure they'd let you leave. So and. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. And that could have been about anything, you know? 
You know, Eric Bledsoe tweeted, I don't want to be here when he was with the Suns. And then he said, I was, I was at the salon with my girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably what – that's Joe Kim was also at the salon with Eric Bledsoe's girlfriend. <laughs> wow. Wow. You, you heard it here first. Um, yeah, and that kind of sums up the Noah stuff. I mean, we're, there's – there's a chance that he could take a buyout that helps us a little more going into free agency, but I don't think we're going to bank on that or it's, it's a wait till you see it. Tom, you, you let us into uh, one of the new guys coming in, Noah Von Ley. Uh, uh, amongst the group, we've had some interesting talks about him already. Um, I, some of us think he'll have little to no role. Some of us think he'll have a big role, but basically the guys coming in as, Free agents. Let's keep it with the free agents for now. Uh, Hazonia, and we've got, uh, I mean, Von Ley. That's that's more or less it. Am I missing anyone? No, no, I think that's it. Um, I will say I'm rooting pretty hard for Von Ley because I know you guys may know this, but about a year ago, I randomly bought a box of basketball cards. It was like, we're going to guarantee you a player's game worn authentic jersey on a card. And so I was I was intrigued. I used to love collecting cards as a kid. So I bought this box, just psyched. I got like an Andrew Wiggins rookie card, which is a tough break already. And then my game worn <laughs> jersey card was Noah Vonley. Um and so I'm really hoping he he breaks through and this card becomes worth something. That's probably my top priority at this point. But uh uh, you know, at the same time, I think Vonley can help. Like, he's a pretty versatile big. Just on paper, he makes sense in the modern NBA. He He's athletic. He's switchable. Um, he even – I saw he stepped out and hit a couple threes in preseason. So it's not like there are a ton of options uh, for reserve big men on the Knicks roster right now, especially with the whole Noah situation. So I, I'm all in on, on giving Vonley some shots. And if it doesn't work out, it's a pretty limited risk. Uh Hazonia this past summer I wrote a I wrote a piece on him kind of talking about his fit in New York and I just I wanted to find out how he generated his offense in Orlando and saw that most of it was uh was done as a spot up shooter just kind of hanging out while his point guards sort of drove and kicked I I'm thinking he could do a good job of that of stretching the defense and, and standing on the perimeter as well but he's also got some other skills he's he loves to push the ball in transition. He did that a lot in Orlando. And he has a little ability as a pick-and-roll ball handler, as like a secondary creator. So, you know, the Knicks are going to need all the creativity they can get on offense. Uh, so I'm, I'm totally down to give these guys minutes, particularly to start the season. I don't think the Knicks are going to be all that good either way. So there's, there's nothing to lose here. Yeah, and I'll uh, – Ken, we'll, we'll keep sending it around the horn – uh, with these two guys, I think Hazonia has more of the flash and pizzazz and a, a, a young guy that seemingly fits the NBA, the new NBA a little bit. He's big. He can shoot. Um, I mean, Von Ley, I'm looking at some of his old game logs. He's got big rebound games. He had won 18 rebound games. And I just felt he was always in that Portland rotation where they just wanted a safe big man to not blow what they were doing an Ed Davis type or one of those guys. What, what, what are your thoughts on Von Ley and uh, his own, you can. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know a ton about Noah Von Ley, uh when he came in. I watched him a little bit in college. I remember him being kind of a, 
a very skinny guy um, who pulled down rebounds. And, like, that's all I really knew, knew about him. Uh, but watching him play in the preseason game, this this guy is – he's a big guy. He's He is built. He's uh, 6'9", 6'10", with a 7'4 wingspan. So, like, this guy can go out there and get you some rebounds. And like Tom said, he stepped out, and I, I know he, he hit at least one three. He's going to be an interesting guy, and, you know, it's it's kind of a, a low-risk thing to just throw him out there and see what you got. Um, I'm very interested to, to see you know, what he brings to the table on this next team, particularly, again, as Tom mentioned, because we don't have a lot of depth in the front court. Uh, we have Cantor, we have Cornette, we have – Mitchell Robinson, and we have Noah Vonley. And, you know, between us, I think we're pretty confident that Cornette isn't going to get a ton of burn. And I think Noah Vonley and Mitchell Robinson have very similar games in that they're both very long rebounds um, around the hoop. And, but Noah Vonley just has something about him. He's just jacked. And I know in the, their first game against Washington, he, he, pulled it, he picked up an offensive foul, but it was the best offensive foul I've ever seen where he, uh, he did like a spin move on a guy and then threw it down hard as like the guy fell to the floor, and I think they called him for pushing off. But it's like this guy has some athleticism, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he's about. Uh, Hazonia, he's another guy who's very interesting because he seems to have all the pieces that you want in an NBA player. He seems to have pretty good athleticism. He seems to be, shoot, be able to shoot it all right. Um, I know in one of the games they were talking – one of the preseason games they talked about how – Within the last year or so, he realized that he liked passing, which is something that he hadn't really thought about doing prior to that. And since then, he's been a solid passer. That's It's a weird thing that, you know, you grow up playing basketball and then you realize at age 22 that you're going to start passing the ball. But he seems to be a decent passer. Um, I know he is the author of the worst pass in NBA history. Uh, you can probably find that on YouTube if you're wondering what I'm talking about. And but, honestly, honestly, just Google worst pass in, in NBA history, and then it'll show up. I'm, I'm pretty sure it will. Uh, but he, he's, he's a fun guy to watch. It's just about him putting things together at this point. And the other thing about both of these guys is they're both young. Both Hazonia and Noah Vonley are 23 years old. And I think the, the concern about these guys is that they're, if they turn out to be good, good players – you don't know how much longer you have him for. Particularly Hazonia, I think there's some weird things with his uh, salary cap issues and stuff that if he outplays his contract, it, there's very little chance that the Knicks will be able to bring him back. I don't know that exactly, but uh, I'll, I'll try to look that up before we do our player profile on him. Yeah, I know we we both were kind of we, – we were looking for almost like a one-in-one one with a player option. I mean, contracts don't always work like that, but – you're right. If the if these guys do do well for us, <laughs> it's almost like thanks for playing. Now you can go get paid, which is kind of tough. But again, if Mario Hazonia and Noah Vonley have really good years where they're getting resigned with big money, that seems like a lower percentage chance than other things. Greggy, bring bring us home with these these twenty three year olds. And another thing this- I want to I want to lead you into, it's almost. Opposite situations. Vonley was young. He had to b- work on his body, and he was on a team that was kind of trying for the playoffs, where Hazonia was sometimes given the reins, but he was in that, pardon my French, but the, the shit show that was the Orlando Magic. Um, 
So what 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 do you got, Greggy? I'll say that if both of them outplay their their uh, their current contracts and earn larger contracts for next season, then we likely would have won the championship this season. So we wouldn't even need to be worrying about it. You know? Right. So right. I think the deal is like you can only re-sign Va- or Hazonia for like one hundred twenty percent of what he's making right now without using your cap space. So that's the deal, Kenny, just so you know. And then uh, Vonley, very exciting guy, beast. He's going to be fun to watch. Uh, seems like a like a very powerful man. Uh, good to watch him body people down low. And then Hazonia, I mean, everyone said it. Uh, he hasn't looked too hot in the preseason, but, you know, they brought him in to be one of the primary scorers uh, with Chris Depps out for the season. And so, so far he's been coming off the bench, so he may just be the, the, the guy who – gets buckets off the bench, he might be Beasley's replacement. So I'm looking and, forward to seeing what he's got. And, and if Hazonia and Vonley do outperform and, and end up signing big contracts elsewhere, that's not the worst thing if the Knicks can get a reputation as being the kind of place that's going to maximize your value. Like that has not been their sort of uh, reputation around the league in recent years. So if, if they can just start to build that kind of culture where – you know, players want to come play there because they know they're going to be used properly. That's that's a step in the right direction too. And let's we we talked about some some big guys right there. A lot of a lot of people talking about the meat that is Noah Von Lay, um, and that's going to segue us into the draft a little bit. And this this is a little more exciting than Hazonia and, and our buddy Von Lay. We we go into the draft. We have the nine pick, unless I'm mistaken. And I, I remember we did a full hour draft pod on it where we were talking about basically different wings. We were kind of living in fear of drafting a big man, which in hindsight is kind of funny because we've talked about a lack of big, but that's also because Chris Stapps will be hurt for a chunk of the season. But we go into the draft and we come out with Kevin Knox, the young man with a lot of forehead from Kentucky. Um, I know I wasn't fully in on him coming in um, just because it kind of seemed like he didn't necessarily seem like the best fit for today's NBA. We talked a a lot about the two M bridges that were coming out that were lengthy uh, three and D or they had a lot of, um, you know, versatility, bring the ball up type stuff. Hey, we end up with Kevin Knox. Let's. I, I want you guys to walk me through kind of where you were before, where you were when it happened, and where we were now. Cause, and I, I hate to be blindfolded by this Knicks. <laughs> I don't want to say Knicks optimism because that sounds sad because I have to fend it off every year. I get excited and I start eyeing the seventh seed, which I don't want to do anymore. Kevin Knox looks so good in the summer league. Greg – Walk me, walk me through it. So I'm with you. We were, we were ready to pick a Bridges. We said, you know, Mikel's the safer pick. Miles got the the bigger, higher ceiling, and Miles has looked good so far in the preseason. But you know, we didn't pick him. Uh, we got Knox. I think a lot. We were, we were very against Knox pre-draft because we we hate Kentucky, to be honest with you. So that that <laughs> that blinded us to a degree, and then. We looked more into him after after the draft, and he's he's a lot bigger than 
I pictured him in my head before the draft. He's like six eight, six nine, and uh, he's got a good looking stroke. So he definitely looks like he can move in the summer league. He was he moves around. He was dunking on people, getting his getting a shot, getting to the line. So he had a he's got a scorer's mentality, and that'll be good with that'd be a good compliment to Chris Stapps when uh when he comes back, you know, because that's what you wanted Timmy to be, and so far he hasn't. So maybe further along in the timeline, Knox will be that guy. And I guess that's where, when I said that Knicks optimism, a couple things I was skeptical about on Knox was kind of his body. It kind of seemed like he had a soft body. We weren't sure what position he was. But he kind of came out in summer league, looked like he had a kind of a, (laughs) I don't say this a lot, but a really good body for a 19-year-old guy. And he showed Uh, some serious bounce. Don't ever say that again. I'm actually, I'm going to head out. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, and that was talking Knicks. No, Jake, um, I'm, I'm usually the body guy in this podcast. I, <laughs> I completely agree. I, even before the draft, I was – this isn't saying a lot, but I think of this crew, I was the highest on Knox. You were. I'll give you that. I remember Kenny had a very emotional reaction on our live draft pod to that, to that uh, choice. Um, but I, I will say I liked the versatility of his jump shot. Like even in college, I – Frankly, I didn't watch a ton of Kentucky. You mentioned we don't really like them. I don't watch a ton of college basketball in general, but I did watch his highlights. And his ability to, to shoot off the bounce, to come off screens, to curl around screens, to shooting, uh, come, going different directions, um, just his body control. It was, it was all very impressive for, for a kid his size. Um, I don't think he's like a nuclear athlete or anything, but he's, he's pretty graceful for how big he is. And uh, – He's, he's skilled. I don't know how he's going to be on the defensive end. I think that's kind of what drew us to a, a couple of the Bridges guys was their, um, just their defensive reputation. But it's not to say that Knox can't get there. I think he has the tools to do it. It's, uh, and he seems like a worker too. So I'm, I'm pretty thrilled with how he's looked in, uh, in summer league. And he's been kind of a high-volume guy um, from, from what I've seen in, uh, in the preseason. But Nothing discouraging there. He's he's definitely got a lot of confidence. There's no doubt about that. Kenny, hit, hit me with it. Yeah. Um, I did not react the way that one would or one should to the news of drafting Kevin Knox. A uh, couple reasons for that. First off is when players go to Kentucky, they don't really get utilized as NBA players. And they're also playing with a lot of very talented players, so they don't really showcase what they can do. Now, we're limited on our side on what we have. We're not, you know, privy to the inside workings of the the recruiting process and things like that. So all we have to go off of is really what we see. And I didn't see much from him at Kentucky. I saw occasional, you know, flashes, but he never really put it all together. And, you know, like you guys said, his – his offense is what people liked liked about him, um, but I am more of a defensive guy, so I, I wanted to see more out of him defensively. I know Tom says he has the tools to develop there. Just not sure how many people with the tools to develop defensively actually do develop defensively. Uh, I think it's something that people say a lot that I don't know how often it actually comes to fruition. I'm sure it does from time to time, but it's something that I worry about. But you know, seeing him in the summer league, you know, you guys are right. Greg said he's a lot bigger than I thought, and I agree with that. And you you guys all said he's got a lot more bounce than he showed in college. Uh, watching all of his college highlights and things, not he didn't have these two-handed cockback jams that he had in the summer league. And it's like, okay, this guy's working with something. And, you know, 
at the time, Villanova guy, obviously big fan of Mikhail. I've seen him play a lot, and I think he's going to be a very solid piece without – he doesn't have a ton of upside, but he's going to be a solid piece on a good team. The other guy that we had talked about that we haven't mentioned here yet was Michael Porter Jr. And at the time, I was very upset that we didn't take Michael Porter Jr. or Mikhail Bridges. But as Porter Jr. fell down the draft board, it became pretty apparent that there were some medical issues. And then it turns out that he's probably missing this entire season. So can't really complain there. So overall, I think it ended up being a good pick. And, you know, I see a lot of Carmelo Anthony in this guy. And, you know... That, I know some Nick fans react negatively to that, but Carmelo Anthony was one of the top players in the league for a while. And if Kevin Knox can have you know, some semblance of what Carmelo Anthony had offensively, and if he's able to develop the defense, like Tom said, he's going to be a great player in this league. So that's, that's what I'm hoping for, is hoping to see you know, Fisdale do something with these guys, get them developed defensively, and then, you know, as, as Tom said, he's got a lot of, uh, confidence offensively, and I'm hoping that that all comes together. So, I think it was it was a better pick than I initially thought. So let's uh, let's hope that that it all develops nicely over the the next couple of years. And I'm curious what you guys think about in terms of like player comparisons. Who do you think is like a best case scenario? I know Kenny just said Carmelo, um, Jake, and Greg. I'm curious what you guys think. Is there is there someone in the league right now who you look at and you think that's kind of a best case for Knox? Um, I don't really know. Hopefully LeBron. <laughs> but I, I really don't know. You know, 6'8 guy who can move. Um, I got to think about it. You're really putting me on the spot, Tom. Maybe give I, me a, a I'll, minute I'll, to think. I'll, I'll, I'll feed you a little bit. I think coming in, what I was seeing was Tobias Harris. Um, Kind of a little power forward, small forward, can get buckets, but I don't know, just – doesn't have that true NBA athleticism that scares you. Or, I mean, I mean, Tobias Harris is a good player, but he's not a guy on a certain night you're like, wow, Tobias Harris is really going to kill us tonight. And I don't know. I just think I was kind of looking at body there. And going back on the Kentucky thing, you know, the Kentucky thing is kind of a double-edged sword. You see a guy come out like a Scalabissieri. You don't really know what he is. Um, but hey, it was the same thing with Devin Booker. He ended up sliding in the draft because he kind of got misused. So um, I don't know. I, I came in with Tobias Harris, but now a lot of people are kind of giving him a Jason Tatum, which A, we still don't really know what he is. But um, yeah, I mean, the the Camar- Carmelo stuff is kind of fair, but it's also like such a faux pas word in Knicks Nation right now. I think Middleton's a good one too, probably, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I think Middleton's a, a better defender, um, but uh, valid, valid. So I'm, you know, like like we we've said, that Carmelo has just such a different you know, vibe in Knicksland now. But if you look back to young Carmelo, he was he's a volume shooter, which Knox appears to be, and he was a much better athlete back then, which Knox has shown. And those are the things that I see from him. He's a he's a bigger, you know, small forward who in the modern NBA is going to play a lot of power forward and he's got that athleticism in the volume shooting. So I think, you know, Carmelo is a, is a good comparison and I'm going to, I'm going to stick by that. I mean, I think you got to qualify it and say Carmelo light. 
because Carmelo was so unbelievably good at basketball. I don't, I don't, yeah. A lot of people. So, if we're saying best case scenario, but yeah, I think he's he's Carmelo led. I don't know that he'll ever reach Carmelo's how good Carmelo was, but I think he that's the best case scenario. Yeah, and I mean that 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 would take us down the whole Carmelo wormhole of volume and percentage and and all that. So we'll let's we'll do see, it. Let's do it we'll right see. now. <laughs> and and here's forty five minutes. Um, I, and the other guy, we, we didn't mention him cause Knox was the main treat, but I, I think we've got to get this one quick. At least Mitchell Robinson, we mentioned him earlier. This was a guy that was kind of an unknown, uh, the first NBA draft pick to not play for a college or overseas or anything, which that just feels like one of those sentences I'm going to say in five years and hate myself for picking Mitchell Robinson. But he was a big-time recruit. He had a weird college story. There was first end-of-the-first-round rumors. Knicks get him early second. Uh, Seven-footer. He's shown some defensive bounce, which has looked pretty dynamic. And we, as I, I've mentioned briefly a couple times, we're doing player profile and projections. Uh, we did them for Talking Yanks, if you listen to that. But kind of 15-minute bios on a lot of the Knicks' important players this year. And I think when we did the Mitchell Robinson one, <laughs> it was kind of it developed as we went. It was kind of, it went from do we even do one on this guy? Is he going to see the court? Is he just a developmental center project to us? To us kind of looking at each other and being like, "Holy smokes, we don't have a lot of bigs. This guy if this guy can bring if he can be a rim runner and play a little bit of defense, this guy could be logging 15 20 minutes a night." So let's Let's send it reverse around the horn. Tom, I know you were you were slightly uncomfortable talking about him because you like some of the analytical data, and this guy has none. <laughs> so so there's a segue for you. Well, no, I think that the Mitchell Robinson uh, player preview pod, I think that was actually our best one, and it wasn't just because your mic cut out for several minutes. I, I think – No, I think that um, – I, I watched some, some tape on, on Robinson and thought that – he really did provide some unique opportunities on the offensive end. First of all, as, as like you said, a rim runner, just being that vertical threat, a lob threat that the Knicks haven't had since Tyson Chandler. I mean, that's, that's going to be huge to, to open things up. Um, you know, hopefully some of our point guards can kind of use him uh, as that lob threat to, to create space for themselves on the pick and roll. And, uh, and defensively we've seen Robinson. I mean, Kenny, I know you've mentioned it before just like him blocking shots on from the three-point line when he when the guy catches the ball in the perimeter Robinson's still in the paint and he sprints out there and just uses his length and athleticism to block it he's gonna be a problem on defense if he can figure it all out so um no I'm, I'm excited about him too I think everyone should be and like, like his motor is a lot more impressive than people kind of came into the season thinking right like they thought oh he's kind of got some baggage to him but he, he seems like he, he works his butt off and that's that's mostly that's what defense is so and yeah that's all those the the new age term and I think we we another thing we came through on in the PPP was hey if this dude can run the court and the Knicks want to run a little bit that's the kind of guy that can find a lot of easy buckets Ken yeah and the way uh, I'm not it's the it's the preseason so it's hard to say whether this is what's actually going to happen but Fizdale was cycling through players in the rotation. Like, guys were coming in and out with a pretty good regularity. 
So if he does that during the season and it, you throw out, you know, Mitchell Robinson and you throw out Noah Vonley and you throw out Enos Cantor and those guys kind of cycle in and out, they can all go pretty hard for a short while and, you know, do some damage. And between Mitchell Robinson and uh, Noah Vonley, that's two guys with seven four wingspans that you're throwing out there. It's pretty good. And then when Kristaps Porzingis comes back, those guys alongside Porzingis, that's that's a pretty good lineup. Um, there's not much to add to what Tom said other than, you know, this guy, he's a question mark, but he's a good question mark to have because he's, he's shown some flashes of what he can be. And, you know, the reason that we got him is because of because he's a question mark. So I'm excited to see what he brings this year. He's shown flashes of being that rim runner. He's going to be a guy who's going to be a – you're not going to have to run plays for him because he's either going to pull down – a rebound and dunk it, or he's going to catch a lob and dunk it. So he's uh, he's an exciting player to, to, to have, and hopefully he, like uh, like I said earlier, uh, hopefully Fisdale finds a way to, to develop all of these guys together pretty well. Greg, you touched on it before. Best case scenario, he's LeBron, but where do we think he lands? He's more of a DeAndre Jordan type, hopefully. Like I said, uh, we, we want him to be rim running. I mean, this year, literally – I think you just tell him only dunk it this year. No layups, no no jump shots. You know, just get your body right, get used to the game, and now uh, we'll expand it over time. But I think he should only dunk the ball this year, to be honest. And that's that's like half, not even a joke. And I I agree with Greg. I know I mentioned in the the player preview pod that uh, he has been known to be able to shoot the ball a little bit. Didn't see that all at all in uh, preseason. So I think that's kind of the thinking that the Knicks have is. This is going to be a guy that we're going to keep around the rim and he's going to get rebounds and he's going to dunk it. And I think that's a good strategy for him. I know that Tyson Chandler did that and he shot something like 72% from the, the floor that year. So that's what we're hoping for from a lighter, lighter workload than Tyson Chandler got, but that's what we want from him this year. Ken, something I've heard you say many times in this lifetime, and I'll give the PG 13 version. You got to dunk that ish. And I, I think we're going to be saying that about young Mitchell a lot. Um, so where's that leave us, boys? I, I think – Do we want to talk about Isozo? I, I thought about it, and I'll, I'm just, I'll leave this as almost grab baggy if anyone wants to snag it. Alonzo Trier – Trier, that was, that was his French cousin um, – He's come in this preseason on a two-way contract, a, a guy that had a lot of talent, a lot of skill at Arizona, um, kind of got overlooked during the draft process. He's one of these 6'3", 6'4", kind of combo scoring guard. What's his role? Um, he's, he's always been known as a scorer, and he showed us a little bit of that in the preseason. Um, I mean, what's this guy got to do to see the court for the Knicks, though? I mean, we're already talking a lot of bodies. Um, second year Dame Dot, who was our second year shoot or was our rookie shooting guard last year. I think Trier brings a little more ball handling possibilities. But Ken, you brought him up. What what do you got? So he had a pretty solid preseason, and I see Knicks fans getting a little too hyped for my own comfort. Uh, I think you know I think he's a he's a bucket getter. He's going to be able to score. I think if he is going to make it in this league. His role is the off the bench scorer. He is not. 
I don't know that he's going to be a guy that you want to throw out there in your starting lineup as your primary offensive option, uh, just because I don't know how much he knows how to pass the ball. And uh, I have to imagine after people get a little bit of tape on him, he's not going to be able to score with quite the efficiency that he's had. Um, so I like the guy. I think he's going to get, he's going to end up on an NBA roster. He's going to end up on the Knicks roster this year off of the two way deal. But I just, think that the Knicks fans are getting a little too hyped for him. That sounds about right to me. I think you're looking at a an older Jamal Crawford ceiling for this guy, and, and that's that's only if he learns how to pass. Uh, it's fun to watch him make the ball, but when it doesn't go in, it's it's like you didn't even look at anybody else to pass the ball to. So I, I he could have know. the he could have that Hazonia moment where he's like, oh, you can also pass it other than shooting it. So maybe Maybe that'll happen. This should partner them up in a shooting drill. <laughs> or, a, or a passing drill. I don't, I don't know. Then Hazonia uh, would be like, have you heard about passing? It's pretty sweet. Pretty uh, sweet. Good, a good standoff between the two of them. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I think we do see Zoe in a Knicks uniform. I think it's going to be one of those things where he's – He's either getting a lot of minutes for Westchester, and then they do one of those back-to-back game rest nights, and they're like, "Hey, Zo, you can. We're going to give you 25 minutes in this game if you want it. Go get it." Um, so we'll see. I mean, I I don't have too many too many sights or thoughts on him. Um, yeah, and the I, Knicks the Knicks weren't uh, they didn't really bring up their two way guys very much until the very end of the year last season, right? So I know a lot of other teams did use them throughout the entire season. So it'll be well, interesting. It'll be interesting how do they utilize them. I know they they seem to like Trier or Fizz seems to like Trier more than a lot of those other guys. Uh, I know Baker didn't even didn't really hasn't really been getting into preseason games until very late. Trier's been getting in in the first half. And I, I know I've been trying. I've mentioned a couple times. I I usually try to quelch my my Knicks excitement earlier in the year because it ends up breaking my heart about two months in. But if we had drafted Alonzo Trier with our second round pick and this was the preseason he's been having, I think we'd still be be a little more excited about him, which is just kind of weird and value and how you view things, right? So I think he's a a fine player. I think I'm just trying to level out Knicks fans because they were way too excited about him. And I know – it was a similar situation with Trey Burke last year, who I, th- I still think is a good player. But, like, think about kind of how this has gone with Trey Burke and Alonzo Trier, where last year Trey Burke had a 42-point game, and, like, Knicks fans were going crazy that this, is, this guy can really be a part of our future, and he's, you know, a great player. And now this preseason, Trier has a 20-point quarter, and everyone's like, get, get rid of Trey Burke. Trier's the future. And it's like, that's – the, the the truth is somewhere in the middle on both of those guys. It's not it's not that high and it's not that low for either of them. Welcome to life as a Knicks fan, getting excited about Trey Burke and Alonzo Trier. Um, Tom, I I think it we're we're winding down, and this is always one of those loaded questions. But roll with it. Fo- follow your heart. If you had to give the Knicks front office a grade for this off season. So free agents, draft, coach. What are you giving them? I mean, I love the draft picks. Um, yeah, love Knox, Robinson. Uh, I I don't – I mean, other than losing – like not re-signing O'Quinn, I didn't think he signed for 
a dollar more than he would have gotten in New York. Isn't that right, guys? Like he was going to – he was going for that same amount? He, he signed for $300,000 more, which – in you know NBA terms is nothing, but if you gave me three hundred thousand dollars, I'd be pumped. But would you go live in Indiana? You're from Indiana. You tell me. Would I? Not over New York. Not if I'm Kylo Quinn. After taxes, that that money speaks. Yeah, and, dude, a, and a winning team. Yeah, but he, you know he's got family in New York. He's going to bar mitzvahs. Um, not that you can't go to bar mitzvahs in Indiana. I'm gonna leave that. Uh, we can edit that out. um no but so we're talking grades here i I, i'll say i don't know how much more they really could have done right like they're handicapped with with the noah contract it's not like there was a lot of free agency uh buzz in new york this offseason so you know i'll go ahead and give it a solid b plus is is that soft is that like is that kind of copping out i I think i mean kenny you go you said i don't know what more they could have done like, what else could they do if they if there's nothing else that more that they could have done? I don't know how it drops to a B plus, but maybe you can explain that. Well, Kenny, it's like you need somewhere to go, right? Like, what if they had talked Paul George into coming in if we wanted him, or like like there there are ways they could have brought in people. Um, and hey, Ron Baker can have a game where he scores six points and has three assists, and that's an A plus game for Ron Baker. But that's not a that's not a B plus game for LeBron, you know. If, yeah, if they signed LeBron, then what you would have given him an A then is what you're saying. Yeah, I, I think, think that's LeBron. That's a good that's a good uh, basis for giving an A. Yeah. Uh, do you guys really think? Do you guys think they had an A off season? I'm I'm curious to hear what you guys think. So I am gonna give him an A, and here's why. Um, first off, we gotta compare. We gotta be realistic here. Like they. There wasn't a good chance they were getting Paul George. There wasn't a real chance they were getting LeBron James. They did what they could with what they had. And right now, if you look at the roster, you know, Tim Hardaway is 26. And then guys who are younger than him, Ron Baker's 20, 25, Trey Burke's 25, Dame Dot's 24, Hazonia's 23, Kristaps is 23, Vonley is 23, Moody is 22, Trier's 22, Nilakina and Robinson are 20, and Knox is 19. So they're getting a lot of talented young guys to try to do stuff. The other big thing that they did was not do stupid stuff, like going out and trying to force a trade for Jimmy Butler or someone else that was going to gut this team. And they they said early in the season that they or early in the off season that they weren't going to trade first round picks and like blow their team up, and they didn't. And that's something that the Knicks haven't done in a long time. And for that, they get an A. Sir Gregory? I think I'm more with Tom on this. I mean, relative to the Knicks' past where they're signing Ron Baker as the very first free agent to a two-year deal with the player option, the, they did better than that. But they, they could have – I mean, there's, there's, I don't know what else they could have done, but they could have done something. I don't know. The one thing is they didn't get – they didn't really shed – any salaries, which is what we're going to be looking to do in the future. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee come to mind. So if they could have gotten rid of one of those guys this year or during this offseason, that would have been helpful. But, you know, I guess that's the one thing 
obviously they're going to be thinking about doing that moving forward. But if, if it could have happened this offseason, that would have been one less thing we have to do later. But other if, we than, them, if we give them an A this offseason, then what do we give them next offseason when they bring in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? It's like you need somewhere to go. You can't. Yeah, Kenny, Kenny thinks that this is as good as that. I think given the actual situation that was going on, that was they did a good job. Like if there was a guy that it's like this guy's probably going to the Knicks, and then he didn't go to the Knicks, it's like all right, well maybe not. My 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 original answer was a B plus. All and right. After this conversation, I've talked myself down to a B <laughs> because <laughs> here's the deal. I mean a I mean so what are we smitten with right now? The fact that they didn't mess stuff up, which Hey, you're our front office. Please don't do that. Um, and then, so we like the Knox picks. We've, we've liked what we've seen a little more. Uh, the Fizdale coach hire seems like an upgrade. I think that's probably, well, Knox and Fizdale are going to be the, the two biggest moves from this offseason. If Mitchell Robinson is a rotation big, that, that probably boosts it to a B+. Plus. And, I mean, when Ken is talking about an A, I mean, yeah, we, we didn't expect to get LeBron, Durant, any of those guys this offseason. If Fizdale is the difference between bringing in a big free agent next year, then that would partially make this year kind of an A. So I, I see what you're saying. And I think Greg also brought up a great point when talking about the cap stuff. If, if they had done something – I don't want to say magical, but if they if they did an interesting or creative move to get out of Courtney Lee or get out of um, whoever else it may be, uh, or <laughs> a, a really good Noah buyout, <laughs> again, talk talk about exciting off season. Um, I think that brings you into a, a a firm A area. But they did good this off season. They did. I agree with that. And they uh, got. Go ahead. Like the Nets didn't sign LeBron, and we'd give them an A, I think. Is what I would say. In Kenny's defense, even though I think that they got a B plus. Yeah, and I mean, for me, the Knicks they got three guys who appear to be NBA players with two draft picks. So like that's like that. I don't I don't know how often that happens, but that seems like a very good draft for me. And, you know, Fisdale seems like a solid coach. Again, we could have talked about this over the summer, but I think some of us were leaning towards Bud, so maybe that's, that's a deduction of a couple points, but you're splitting hairs at that point. And I don't know that Bud would have taken this job over Milwaukee where he has you know, the Greek freak and some, some more people to work with. So I, I like what they did. And I don't think a B-plus says I didn't like what they did, but, uh, you know, it, it was good. They did a good job. Um, one thing I do think we should talk about, though, before we go, is Porzingis. He's kind of like the most important piece in this entire franchise. And so just talking about what we expect from him, like when he does get back, when we hope he returns, when we expect he returns. Jake, I'm going to spin it back to you since you've been hosting this whole time. What are your thoughts on Porzingis? When should he get brought back? Uh, take it from there. Well, Tom, I, I don't want to do you too dirty, but we are going to have an upcoming season pod where I think that's going to be more of the how's your day. I think when we do talk Zinger, because you're right, we, we didn't mention him enough for the being the guy. I think when we mentioned 
Party Fizdale coming up and going visit him in, in Latvia. Think about how much of a jump that is from him and Phil Jackson not being able to speak. So in the course of 12 months, being able to go from not talking to our front office to now he's, you know, our coach is vacationing with him. I think that's a huge step. I think what's going to be interesting, and I, this is just a blind kind of take from me, is that it just seems like injury recovery time is getting quicker and faster with these premier athletes. And I don't know, man. I see Porzingis hanging out around picture day, and maybe I get too excited from his Instagram. But this this guy's coming back. Maybe we do a quick over-under of, what, January 1? Over. Which one's over and which one's under? That's over the is, trick. Over is past January 1? Because I think yeah. he's coming back after January 1. Tommy Two-Tone? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Walt Frazier was talking about him coming, sitting out the entire season, coming back next year. Uh, I don't know what intel he has, but I, I would take the over for sure. Honestly, the Knicks don't even re- – really need Porzingis until the finals against the Warriors. So he could take his time getting back. That's True. pretty smart. That's so he could come, back, he come, back, could come he back, back in the come second, back round. second round. It, it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see. I think what we'll see is it, it'll depend a little bit about how the next season story is going, right? If, if Knox is kind of the truth, if Tim Hardaway Jr. improves his efficiencies a little bit, if Frank takes a jump, I mean, they're going to want to see KP play with these guys a little bit if he can. But at the same time, you can't risk him getting hurt at all. At all. Right. And, uh, you know, you do want to see the, the cohesion develop, if that's the right word. So... Yeah. Hopefully he comes back in February, even if he only plays like 20 games or or maybe less. Yeah, and I don't want to, you know, take away from our preview pod, so I'll just do a quick hitter is I – we don't want him coming back if he's not completely, completely healthy. And ideally he would come back late in the season, wouldn't rack up a ton of minutes, but I think, you know, getting out there and getting the confidence to to play in a game – is going to be big for him. I like that. I like that a lot. And yeah, I think, well, I'll, I'll offer up some final words, but I, I think leading into it, I, I'd like to say, like I mentioned before, we're, we're doing player profile and projections. We're going to have those coming out every day leading up towards the season, talking about Los Knicks and kind of best case, worst case, where, where we're at and what we're hoping to see. Uh, those will be leading up to to the season. And then the day of that first Knicks game, the 17th, we're going to have kind of our season outlook. So there's a little preview for that. We're going to be putting in the work. Uh, if you made it this far, thank you. We appreciate you. We love you. Uh, if you can give us a five-star review or check out the Talking Knicks Twitter, hopefully it'll be back and live by tomorrow morning. But uh, let me I'll, – I'll throw it out there. Any of you boys got, got something? And you guys got something to say? Nick's tight. That's all I got. That's all I got. I like that. Tom, Greg? Uh, Greg? 
No, I, I just I brought the Porzingis thing as a, so we could tease it for next time. I, I knew we couldn't talk about it. You're such a tease. Such a tease. I got nothing to add. Um, no, nah, I was good. Nah, nah, go next. He 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 loved it. Um, all right, go guys. Knicks. Well, I you boys know I appreciate you. Appreciate everyone listening. Uh, let's go Knicks, kind of in a healthy have a good draft pick and sign the best free agents. Um, but that was kind of the off-season review, if you if you had missed it. We have an old draft pod if you want to dig through that, but the content's coming, folks. Thank you, and uh, LGK, let's go Knicks. Next time.